Welcome back, boys and girls. I will keep this video brief because, as you can probably tell, I'm very much under the weather. I wasn't planning on doing a video today, and it's probably it probably feels a bit icky listening to someone who's a bit clogged up and a bit sick, <laughs> if you know what I mean. It is Orthodox Easter Sunday today. It's it's a lovely day to enjoy with your family and just to enjoy in general. So don't watch this video if you're having a nice day. Put it in your watch later. Okay, those of you who stuck around, uh, sorry to hear that you're not having such a nice uh, Orthodox Easter. Let's carry on. So I have got for you um, a find that I didn't come across myself. So credit for the information I'm about to give you goes to someone I'm going to call Diligent Dimitri. Thank you, Diligent Dimitri, for, for this. Uh, we are on the website of the OSCE.org, Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. Uh, if you've never heard of them, congratulations, you joined the club, neither had I before. However, these are quite quite big dogs. The OSCE stands for uh, Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, with 57 states from Europe, Central Asia, and North America. The OSCE is the world's largest regional security organization. Learn something new every day. What we do, our activities cover a wide range of security issues such as conflict prevention, to fostering economic development, ensuring the sustainable use of natural resources, and promoting the full respect of human rights and fundamental freedoms. Okay, some improvement required in certain areas, but moving on, let's let's carry on. So here we are, um, field operations, institutions and structures, uh, participating states and partners. I mean, quite, quite a long list here, including the Russian Federation, I might add. Uh, we've got here the Ukraine latest news, um, intriguing, uh, also on Twitter, if you want to give them a follow. Um, they've got statements here, Russia must stop aggression, destruction of religious sites and places of worship. Uh, some interesting stuff. Actually, one of these did, yeah, here we are, April 6th. This reminded me of Gonzalo's case. Um, obviously, it was, it was prior to Gonzalo's case, but the OSCE media freedom representative reiterates grave worries regarding safety of journalists in ukraine clearly only unfriendly journalists because the friendly ones seem to be having a whale of a time uh yeah um and then 24th of march osce let me highlight it before here we go osce media freedom representative mourns journalists killed in ukraine warns of rapidly deteriorating safety situation for media workers i mean all that sounds rather odd uh for the the embodiment the epitome of freedom loving democratic ukrainian government this just just sounds like defamation doesn't it right okay now we're in the meat of potatoes uh thank you diligent dimitri for also highlighting we'll stick to your highlighted points because this is a large document all links to um this will be in the description so you can read this yourself at your leisure therefore i don't need to go too in depth however to give you as broad of an overview and and some of the um, most pertinent information we'll we'll keep summarizing so first point to make is this was published the 15th of april 2016 now that's not donkeys years ago uh, it's also not yesterday it's in between isn't it so 2014 was uh, i believe the euromaidan um coup so this is two years after that this report was published war crimes of the armed forces and security forces of ukraine torture and inhumane treatment they really didn't hang around did they this is within two years in fact sooner because the cover photo was ukrainian citizen alexander 
Agafonov, tortured to death by SBU officers in Izium on the 14th of November, 2014. So they really, really came out of the gates, didn't they? And then we have the uh, horrible testimony from his wife. War crimes of the armed forces and security forces of Ukraine. Second report, in fact, it's interesting to note. We'll scroll down here. This report includes results of interviews from over 200 prisoners released by the Ukrainian side. The prisoners were electrocuted, beaten cruelly, and for multiple days in a row with different objects, iron bars, baseball bats, sticks, rifle butts, bayonet knives, rubber batons. Techniques widely used by the Ukrainian armed forces and security forces include waterboarding, strangling with a banderist garrote, and you learn something every day and other types of strangling in some cases prisoners for the purposes of intimidation were sent to mine fields and run over with military vehicles which led to their death a lot of this you're actually going to recognize from alleged torture of russian prisoners of war i've i saw one um i'm not going to talk about it but yeah there we are point made the prisoners taken captive by the Ukrainian armed forces and security uh, forces are kept for days at freezing, temp freezing temperatures with no access to food or medical assistance. Excuse me just one moment whilst my illness gets me. Back in the room. Uh, an absolute majority of prisoners are put through mock firing squads and suffer death and rape threats to their families. Uh, this information collected by the Foundation for Dem Dem Democracy Studies. That, that, what? <laughs> Foundation for Democracy Studies gives grounds to believe that Ukrainian armed forces, the VSU, the National Guard, and other military units of the Ministry of the Interior of Ukraine, as well as the Security Service of Ukraine, SBU, systematically and on purpose violate Article 3 of the European Convention on Human Rights. That reads, no one shall be subjected to torture, or to inhuman or degrading treatment or punishment. Hold the goddamn phone. These are the guys everyone wants to fast track into the EU. Let that sit with you for a bit. The extent to which torture is being used and the fact that this is done systematically prove that torture is an intentional strategy of the said institutions authorized by their leadership. Now, what are the chances that things have radically changed since 2016 and 2022? There, there's a chance. Of course there is. Absolutely. But, you know, a leopard never changes its spots, as they say. Again, there's a lot to get through here. It, if you're so inclined, there is a lot for you to, to get into. The captured women are frequently raped. An allegation often leveled at the Russians. Um, yeah. I don't really want to get into that one. I think we'll leave that there. Um, talked also of beating her and laughing like horses. This is not a laugh of the human being, meaning they were either high or drunk. Aha. So that goes all the way up to the top as well, if we're to believe Sergei Lavrov. According to accounts by the victims, the Ukrainian army, the National Guard, various units of the Ministry of the Interior and Security Service of Ukraine employ a whole range of torture techniques. Many of the victims say they were stabbed and cut with a knife. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? 
Uh, let's go through. Uh, the torture victims indicate the Ukrainian army and law enforcement bodies systematically employ, employ a torch technique called waterboarding. Previously, this method was used by the American secret services. Are we connecting any dots here, people? I guess we know who taught them those tricks. The victims indicate that the Ukrainian armed forces and security forces or use other torture techniques as well. For example, suffocation with plastic bags, gas masks, etc. Then they took me outside, put a machine gun to my head and pulled the trigger. Presumably it wasn't loaded. Um, yeah. Again, these most of these dates here are 2014, October 20th, 2014. Uh, there's, there's some more really intriguing points here. The so-called... Banderist Garot is used as a weapon, both for intimidation and torture. A nurse named Olga, who was captured on the 15th of October 2014, says during the questioning at the SBU, one of them showed me an iron wire in the form of a spiral. He asked me, you know what it's called? It's called a Banderist Garot. I will be strangling you with it until you start talking. Evgeny Pav Pavljuk a self-defense fighter captured on 10th of September 2014 by the SBU says, At the SBU, they put a garrote around my throat, kicked me and beat me on the head and in the kidneys with a rifle butt, hooded me, poured water on me, and later on, at a pre-trial investigation facility, beat me on the head with the criminal code of Ukraine. Electric shock is a common torch tool used by the Ukrainian armed forces and divisions of the Ministry of the Interior. Um, here we have Anton... Lazarenko says, I was not in the self-defense forces. I had no relations with them and did not give them any assistance. On the 29th of October, 2014, at 8pm, the SBU captured me right in front of the building where I live and took me to the anti-terrorist operation quarters in Kramatorsk. They used violence to make me sign documents about my involvement with the DPR self-defense forces. They used a wooden bat, an electric generator, and they were hitting and kicking me as well. I asked them to shoot me, but they said that if I did not sign their fake stories about my participation in the DPR Special uh, Self-Defense Forces, they would go and take it out on my pregnant girlfriend. So I had to back down and sign their stories. Later, they were treated as my own testimony. Uh, more horrific, horrific testimonies and stories. As we've said at the beginning, there are over 200 of these. A large number of people interviewed said that Ukrainian troops were sending some of the prisoners to minefields. Again, I, then I was sent to Kramatorsk. This name pops up a lot. Uh, at the Kramatorsk airport, boys young enough to be my sons yelled insults. We will rape you and send you to a minefield. Almost everyone says that the Ukrainian army and punishment battalions kneecap and run over feet with military vehicles, a mock firing squad is also a common practice. Kneecapping. We've seen that trick, haven't we? Sadly. Sergei Mosin, who had been involved in preparations for the referendum, describes the torture he was subjected to because of these activities. I participated in the rallies and the referendum preparations. I was arrested on the 9th of November 2014 in the village of Yenakaivo. For one day, they held me in the territory of the Bulovinskaya mine, where they questioned me and beat me and tortured me. They threatened to kill my mother, to tear her in pieces, running over her with an armoured vehicle. Uh, again, a DPR 
testimony there. We'll, we'll scroll down and try and keep this brief as possible. The vast majority of people detained by the Ukrainian armed forces and security forces receive threats of murder, torture, and harm to their families in interrogation. This seems to be a, 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 common, a common tactic, psychological tactic. Uh, Stanislav Suzlov describes being tortured and threatened with slaughter of his family, so he would make a false statement on having been recruited by the FSB. There we go. Uh, so really just drumming up anything and everything they can, they can get out of people, probably to support their narrative. Those detained by the Ukrainian side suffer torture at various stages, directly when taken prisoner, during transportation, after being handed over to this or that unit, under preliminary or principal interrogations, in detention facilities, in courts, etc. When asked to define the entity carrying out the torture, victim's name, the National Guard, various groups under the Ukrainian Ministry of Internal Affairs, right sector, various units of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, and the Ukrainian Security Service, the SBU. I have seen Azov, you'll see Adar Battalion also mentioned as the perpetrators. We're currently on page 38, zooming through 39. Uh, vast majority of the detainees questioned tell that by means of torture and threats, the Ukrainian authorities made them sign confessions stating that they were agents of Russian secret service organizations. Overall, majority of civilians captured by the Ukrainian armed forces could not endure the torture and threats and signed any accusations relating to them. Uh, none of us can blame them for that. A large number of the victims' questions point out specific places where the National Guard and the Ukrainian Armed Forces have been using torture on a massive scale, or give code names of the people who subjected them to torture. For example, the National Guard's Dnipir 1 practice ground in the Dnipropetrovsk area is mentioned. Um, we have the codenames X, Albina, Max, um, Alexander Loshkarev tells how he had unknown medicinal drugs used on him, was subjected to torture and humiliation. Also frequently mentioned are the Mariupol airports, where detainees are kept in the industrial cold storage and subjected to torture, and the Kramatorsk airport. Now I'm starting to understand Mariupol, why that's a focus, Kramatorsk, why that's a focus, it's all the pieces are starting to come together. We already know about Odessa uh, and the crimes that happened there and why that is of significance. But all these other places are also now starting to uh, become apparent. The victims interviewed also state the Ukrainian side intentionally for long periods of time does not register its detainees and violates the procedure prescribed by law, which also uh, accounts for Gonzalo Lira's list. Based on the information collected by the foundation, a clear conclusion can be drawn that most of the torture victims are not members of the Donetsk or Lugansk People's Republic's self-defense forces, but civilians. A reason for arrest and torture of civilians by the Ukrainian side can be as simple as involvement in anti-Euromaidan rallies, participation in Russian TV shows, expression of your opinion on the internet, involvement in pro-DPR rallies, Participation in the referendum. Possession of a telephone number of a Russian journalist. Caucasian names, Aslan, Uzbek, in the personal phone contacts. A phone conversation with someone from the Donetsk People's Republic. Receiving medical assistance in the DPR, etc. 
The same absurdity and lack of substantial evidence is characteristic of the other accusations. Moving on. In a large number of cases, Ukrainian authorities, to be able to exchange prisoners, would arrest citizens who've not committed any offence. Aha. Medvedchuk? Spring to mind to anyone? In many cases, Ukrainian civilians are also subjected to beatings and death threats to their families. Uh, again, don't really want to look at some of these testimonies. The Ukrainian armed forces and security forces quite often torture and inject people with psychotropic drugs at the same time. G. Maisky, a self-defense fighter who was captured by the ADAR battalion, talks about being injected with psychotropic drugs and then tortured with a stun gun. ADAR battalion officers tortured and starved me while keeping me bound and blindfolded. Then they took me to the SBU office in Starobilsk, where I spoke with the investigator E. Tachenko. After I refused to testify, a doctor gave me an injection. They started hitting me with a stun gun. I could not remember anything after that. Later, I saw my signature on the testimony. Number of victims subject to torture by the Ukrainian armed forces and security forces also claimed to have been robbed. Well, in a way, Gonzalo Lira also claimed that uh, robbed, confiscated, it's hard, isn't it? So we're only now on uh, part two. Again, let's try and stick actually to the highlighted points that Dimitri has um, highlighted for me. Uh, just, just for the sake of brevity, as said, the links are in the description for you, should you wish to take the time and actually go through this with a fine tooth comb. Yeah, I think, I think these are the main points, and I, I think I've made my, my point clear. So this is the OSCE, this is quite a high-level organization. This was reporting in 2016 on the methods. We're seeing many similarities coming out of uh, these behaviors, these methods, pretty much everything I've read in that report so far, and I haven't actually gone through it with a fine tooth comb just yet, I intend to, uh, is all corroborated from the Russian side. I just, again, I'm staggered that UK, the country I'm from, is all in with supporting Ukraine, knowing this. That obviously, this 2016 means there's enough time for intelligence services to have had this communicated to them for, for all this, but you won't hear about it. Uh, and this is Western, kind of a Western source, uh, North America involved. So almost no excuses from these powers to turn a blind eye to either these past behaviors. Um, and I've not seen any investigation that concludes that such practices have, have ceased, have been um, terminated that the government has taken measures we still we still know that the ADAR battalion is it, it have they been disciplined have there been measures placed on Azov to prevent uh, torture of, of civilians I'm very skeptical of that or obviously I keep an open mind maybe that has happened but I don't know at this point all I know is what I'm showing in front of you anyway that is all from me today I didn't intend to make a video <laughs> I probably won't tomorrow I'll probably take a break but that is all from me for now. I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.